Welcome to Wellness Now, a health and wellness information program brought to you by Valleywise Health and District Medical Group. Each week we go in depth with different healthcare experts on some of your top health questions, getting answers to help you live your best life. Hello and welcome to Wellness Now, presented by Valleywise Health and District Medical Group. I'm your host, Dr. Michael White. While mental health continues to be a hot topic of conversation in our society, many people are also struggle with serious mental illnesses called psychotic disorders. But there are lots of misconception about psychotic disorders and the people who live with these illnesses. So today we're breaking down what psychotic disorders really are and what you can do for yourself or a loved one that may need help. Joining us to discuss this is Dr. Eris Mosley. She is a district medical group psychiatrist and medical director of the First Episode Center at Valleywise Health. Dr. Mosley, thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, thank you for having me. So Dr. Mosley, before we start, how did you get involved in psychiatry and what is the main focus with your patients? Sure. So actually, um, when I was in medical school applying for residency, I swore up and down I wanted to be a cardiologist. Um, and then I did my rotation um, over at Desert Vista, and it completely changed me. When I turned in my keys at the end of my rotation, I had tears in my eyes because um, I had experienced something that I'd never thought that I'd experienced. So, so I feel like psychiatry chose me. What is one of your main focuses and what do you do every day? Sure. So I am the medical director of the First Episode Center. We are a clinic for young people that have experienced their first episode of psychosis from schizophrenia. So it's really just um, not only treating their brains, but their overall being, helping their families, whatever it is that they need, um, just kind of meeting them where they're at. That's wonderful. And such such a resource that we have within Maricopa County to have a, a clinic that just focuses on this type of acute mental illness that we really often don't see in other places. So let's take a step back and say, what are psychotic disorders? So, I mean, super easy, break it down. What is a psychotic disorder? It really is simply a distortion of an individual's reality. It's that basic. It's whatever it is they're experiencing is different from those around them and what they're experiencing. Are there different types of these psychotic disorders that exist, you know, that you all see and have to start to treat? Sure. So the main um, psychotic disorder that most people know about is schizophrenia, right? But anyone can experience psychosis from a variety of things. Um, you can have a medical condition that causes psychosis. Medications can cause psychosis. Um, you can have depression with psychosis, substance abuse with psychosis. There's actually a personality disorder that kind of mimics psychosis called schizotypal personality disorder. When we say psychosis, we probably ought to define that term a little bit better. What do we mean when we say psychosis? So again, it's just um, a distorted reality. It's an impairment in mental functioning. So people can experience delusions or hallucinations, whether that be voices um, or visual hallucinations, tactile feeling um, hallucinations, a disordered thought process, or an impairment in their cognition. You know, we talked a little bit about the most common one being schizophrenia. What are some of the other common causes that may lead to these psychotic disorders? I know you mentioned, you know, substance abuse and medication, but are there other causes that may precipitate um, or have somebody have one of these types of events? 
So I think that if you are talking about schizophrenia itself, it can be triggered by a stressor. Um, It's kind of like it was always going to happen, but it was when it was going to happen. And so a significant stressor could have triggered it. You can have a brief psychotic disorder that can, again, be brought on by a trauma. You can have, say, bipolar disorder with psychosis or major depression with psychosis. Heck, if you don't get enough sleep, you can start to kind of maybe see things or hear things and your your reality distorted. The brain is fascinating, but very finicky and it can get upset sometimes. How long or how short do these events have to be before people need to become concerned and start to seek additional resources that may be able to help them through this? Sure. So like schizophrenia, you have to have symptoms for about like six months, right? So if you're just going by diagnostic criteria, it's it's six months. But if you say like schizophreniform is going to be like a month up into that six months and a brief psychotic disorder is going to kind of be like day one to a month. So we're just looking at timing, but I don't think that there is a specific amount of time before you need to intervene. As soon as you notice that something is feeling a little off, either with yourself or someone you love or someone you know, that's the best time to intervene. Oftentimes we hear about, you know, other certainly illnesses and other diseases that run in families. Are psychotic disorders part of that? And can there be a genetic component? Yeah, absolutely. So just speaking specifically for schizophrenia, there is a strong genetic predisposition. Um, I think that uh, there's a 12% chance of having someone Um, a first degree relative of another individual that has schizophrenia. Um, And then, you know, there's twin studies that show about a 50% rate of schizophrenia in monozygotic twins. So we definitely see it run in families, but that's not always the case. We have plenty of individuals, unfortunately, that have zero history of any type of brain health condition or mental illness um, in their families that they're aware of. If you're just tuning in, we're talking about psychotic disorders and what you need to know to care for yourself and your loved ones. Valleywise Health offers integrated behavioral health care at several locations across Maricopa County. If you need medical care or have questions for one of our clinicians, visit valleywisehealth.org to get started. We talked about sleep and medications. What are some other things that may trigger some of these episodes or somebody to have, you know, an episode of psychosis? Um, I think it's going to be on a case-by-case basis. Unfortunately, right now we are seeing a lot of younger people um, develop episodes of psychosis or ongoing psychosis um, after substance use, including something as simple as marijuana. Um, This is not... The marijuana today isn't maybe the marijuana of, say, like the 70s. The THC level in marijuana is really, unfortunately, kind of like hitting the brain and spiking that dopamine in the brain, same way some of like the more, quote unquote, hardcore drugs can. So substances can definitely do it. What are some of the common signs and warning signs? We talked about that alternate or altered perception of reality, hallucinations, confusion, et cetera. What are some of the other warning signs that somebody may be experiencing this that you could recognize in someone else or even recognize in yourself? Oftentimes what we see is what we call a prodrome. And that's kind of like the phase or time period right before psychosis, like a full-blown episode of psychosis occurs. And that typically looks like depression, honestly. Um, People kind of withdraw into themselves, um, kind of like friendships and relationships take a back seat. 
maybe someone's not tending to their their ADLs, meaning maybe they're not showering, they're not brushing their teeth, um, and they're just kind of isolating more. So oftentimes that prodrome looks like depression. So when people do intervene, family members, loved ones, they oftentimes get put on medication for depression first. And then with time, it turns into a, you know, a full-blown episode of psychosis. And that, that can look like different things. Again, the isolating, um, the paranoia, like um, some people stop stop eating or they'll only eat like packaged foods or con- constantly on high alert, like that people are watching them. And, and so they're constantly looking around or agitation that normally wasn't there. Maybe it's just a simple change from their baseline of the person that they typically are. Something just feels different. So how do you go about diagnosing this? This makes you know total sense to somebody like myself or, around this, but it has to make your job as a psychiatrist so challenging as it can present as many of one of these things. So what are some of the steps that you end up having to do and you and your colleagues to make this diagnosis of psychosis? So oftentimes you can kind of make the diagnosis from across the room, right? Because you that's what positive symptoms are. And, and it's not like as in the good symptoms, but positive as in like we can see they are present, right? So maybe someone's mumbling to themselves. Maybe they're kind of like, you know, in their own head or pacing or yelling. You know, we call it being internally preoccupied. Something's going on inside their head that other people aren't experiencing. So you can kind of see it from a distance. The negative symptoms, again, not meaning the bad ones, but the lack thereof, the isolating, the just like not tending to themselves, flat face, like no change in like their expression. That's a little bit harder to see and make a diagnosis through that. So for me, making that diagnosis always happens with a conversation. It's just a conversation. I just want to get to know you. I want to have kind of ask you questions and see what it is that you've been experiencing that's going to help me to recognize whether or not you're suffering from a brain health condition such as psychosis. But always starts with a conversation. And I think that just, you know, key to much of what we do in medicine oftentimes boils down to that, just that conversation with folks around what they're experiencing and how they're experiencing that. We've talked a lot, you know, around psychosis and specifically I'm going to get into schizophrenia. How does schizophrenia actually affect a person and when do we usually see these symptoms start to appear? So typically uh, we see it around... I think the rule of thumb that we kind of typically say is college age, right? Um, Around 18 is the theory that the pressure of college and things like that is like the catalyst. But there's plenty of people who aren't in college or they're not there yet who have symptoms. But it's around, you know, the 18 uh, to 24 age here at the First Episode Center. um, Our age range is 15 to 25. Is it usually around those times of transition? Because, you know, as I recall, and I again, this is where my non-psychiatrist knowledge is lacking. You know, we see this in younger folks, but then isn't there another time where we may see it again and later in life around this as well? So typically for schizophrenia, if you're past that typical age range, I'm going to begin to look for other things, other reasons, not so much as schizophrenia. It typically doesn't present later on in life. It's more of an early on in life, not like a 10 year old, but, you know, late adolescence, early 20s and things like that is typically when we're going to see it. 
Dr. Eris Mosley is answering your top questions about psychotic disorders. You can make a virtual or in-person appointment with a district medical group provider at ValleyWise Health by calling 833-855-9973 Monday through Friday from 7.30 a.m. to 5 p.m. or by visiting valleywisehealth.org and clicking the book appointment button. Also, you mentioned that, you know, oftentimes this may be alongside other types of disorders that we may see psychosis. And one of the most common ones that I would associate with this is bipolar disorder. So how does bipolar disorder affect someone? And when do those symptoms appear versus those that we may see with somebody in schizophrenia? Schizophrenia typically, like I said, happens a little earlier on. Um, the typical age range for bipolar disorder is going to be like in these two groupings, like 15 to 24 to like 45 to 54. But how can it affect people? I mean, I think all brain health conditions, no matter what they are, schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, depression, anxiety, can have a, you know, a great profound impact on an individual's ability to live the life um, that is meaningful uh, for them, it just depends on what the severity is and what it is that they're actually experiencing. But it can have a profound impact on individuals and their families. What sort of treatments are available today around this in medications, you know, therapy? What kinds of things can we offer our patients that may be suffering from these types of conditions? Right. So we have um, a lot of resources specifically here, like at the first episode center. Of course, the first thing that we typically do is medication, right? Because it, it, it on its most basic level, it's like dopamine is too high in the brain, right? So we're just going to try to bring that dopamine down. So medications um, are typically what we do. But that's not all, you know, like this is a, like, a, again, when you have a, an episode of psychosis, whatever it's from, it can be extremely traumatic and overwhelming. And so, again, we need to meet you where you're at. So we have therapy. We have groups. Um, I actually just did a training on CBT, so cognitive behavioral therapy for psychosis. Um, so just kind of getting in there and helping individuals. There's an actual swelling or, excuse me, inflammation that happens with the brain. The brain is sick. So we need to treat it like any other part of the body um, and help it with whatever it it needs to be helped. And again, that could be in groups and therapy and medication. So there's lots of things that we can do. How has this changed over the years? You know, because historically, when you look back at treatment of patients with psychotic disorders, there was not, it was not treated well. And I'll, that's, I'll use my term um, um, at all. So how has that changed over the last, you know, number of years to how we're doing it today and more modern, you know, contemporary healthcare uh, delivery? Sure, you're right. It wasn't pretty, right? Like some, you know, there was a point when there was no treatment. Um, and then there was some more barbaric treatments. Um, and then there's medications like our old school drugs that that are great, but maybe they have a lot of side effects. So we've come a long, long way inside uh, in medications. We've come a long way in terms of research. Um, we've come a long way in terms of the stigma that is attached to mental health. And people just having an understanding and a respect for it has changed the game tremendously. So there's so many facets that are at play right now that have allowed us to be where we're at. The medications are better. People's understandings are better. Um, so all of it is, is really positive right now. 
Absolutely. And I think that's really just the commitment to the individuals, you know, such as yourself that really embrace the, you know, the need to treat the whole person, including brain health and these brain health disorders around that and find the best ways to help individuals become to live the best life that they want to live, which is something we focus on a lot as we talk through this, you know, uh, particular show. So what happens if this were to be unfortunately unrecognized or go untreated? What sort of complications may patients have um, as they go through this? So I think that the, one of the most um, unfortunate parts of brain health conditions like this is that there is the opportunity for lasting damage to be done to the brain. When the brain is sick for a prolonged period of time, even if we have the best medications on board, maybe the damage has been done and we're not able to bring an individual back to whom, to the person with, with whom, you know, who they were at one point. That is the devastating piece. Um, I tell my members and their families that the brain is the part of the body that takes the longest to heal. Um, and I explain to them that I'm going to be so much more patient with this process than they are because they want to be fixed immediately. Whereas I have seen incredible things happen in young people where maybe we're like, oh no, they might not get better. And then two years down the road, it's like, wow, look at that. They're back. Again, the brain, it's incredible. Um, and we just never know. It's a case-by-case basis. Um, so sometimes people get better and unfortunately, sometimes people don't. It's wonderful to hear that, you know, individuals can recover from these types of events based on these therapies that we have available today. But as we recover, are we truly curing these individuals or are can these be cured or are we just treating like we do in many other conditions in medicine? We have to manage the disease, you know, long term. Great. So we work off of like a recovery model, right? So maybe the the quote unquote illness, the brain health condition will always be there, but we're in recovery mode. We're getting our life back. We're getting back on track and we're utilizing the tools that we've seen work for individuals to get their lives back. Is this typically a chronic condition? Yes, typically. Someone can be stable for many, many years and then have a stressor that may have some symptoms come back. And that's okay. And we'll, and we'll figure it out as we go. But it's an ever-moving process. It's gonna, We're going to figure it out together. Um, no person is like another, and we just take it as it comes. If you're just tuning in, we're talking about psychotic disorders and what you need to know to care for yourself and your loved ones. Is there anything that we can do proactively? Can psychotic disorders be prevented? So is there some things that we can do within our lifestyles and our environment to help prevent this from occurring? Sure. So if there's a genetic component, really, there's not anything that we can can really do, right? But that doesn't mean that we let's say there is a genetic component and we know that there's a strong family history, then that's going to help us kind of look out for things so that we catch it quickly. We jump right on it and we get that healing process started. I tell my members and their families all the time, healthy lifestyle is so important. Getting out, having getting exercise, um, eating healthy, that's all going to play, you know, a positive role um, in anyone's life. Again, maybe we don't smoke marijuana. I don't know, maybe that's not really a popular opinion for some folks, but maybe we don't because, you know, who's to say if you didn't have that 
positive family history and then you start smoking marijuana, you have an episode of psychosis and the symptoms keep returning when you're not on medication, who's to say, was it the marijuana? I don't know. I can't say, but, um, you know, maybe not the most popular opinion with my young folks sometimes. But certainly you have to be realistic, right? You know, the, we know that these are triggers. We know that these have potential effects. So we have to be real and honest about it and say, hey, you know, this probably isn't the best idea, despite despite what popular culture may believe, you know, around this particular thing. So how can I help, you know, if I suspect a loved one may be dealing with a psychotic disorder and how do I approach them to help begin to guide them to get the help that they may need? Right. So I just say, I I always encourage people to treat the brain like any other part of the body. You know, if you felt that your family member or friend were physically ill, you know, I, I would want you to get in there and do the same thing. Have a conversation. Are you okay? Do you need any help? Um, and sometimes, unfortunately, when people's brains are sick, they don't recognize that it's sick. And so we have to help them. So maybe we reach out to their primary care physician. Maybe um, we get them in with a mental health provider. Um, but we don't ever want someone to feel stigmatized, like they did something wrong, like you're bad. Look at you. You need to be fixed. Because um, we wouldn't do that with someone who had cancer. So we just want to rally around people the same way we would with any other physical illness. How do you best approach, you know, that individual, you know, in that caring way that you've just mentioned around this, and then begin to have that conversation with their healthcare professional that I am concerned about, you know, these types of things that I'm witnessing? Right. So one thing that's really important for people to know is that it is not a HIPAA violation for you to give information, right? So if I have a child who I'm concerned is experiencing something and I know that Dr. Smith is their PCP, I can call Dr. Smith and say, hey, I know you can't give me any information, but I want to give you this information. So then at least Dr. Smith knows that there's something that that he or she needs to be looking out for. Um, you know, and again, have the conversation with the individual Maybe they're not going to be super receptive. Maybe they don't even recognize that their brain's getting sick. But it all, like I said, it always starts with a conversation. You're not going to know unless you try. Here within Valleywise Health, we do a lot of work around mental health and brain health disorders. So what are some of the services that Valleywise Health has to offer around, you know, treating these individuals that may be coming with psychotic type conditions? So we have our three um, inpatient um, psychiatric hospitals, um, and then we have three um, specialty clinics, um, which is mine including the first episode center. We have the Mesa SMI clinic and then the ACT team. Um, and then within all of our FQHCs, we have um, integrated behavioral health clinicians and specialists. Um, so like, say you go in for your primary care visit, your PCP notices that something's going on, we're going to have those specialized clinicians who are going to kind of be able to kind of come in and partner with you. Um, and then they're going to work with your provider to see what it is that you need. And then we also have our McDowell clinic, um, where we have a behavioral health team as well. We have a lot of options through ValleyWise. Yeah, it's a wonderful resource that we're able to have within the community to have such a robust team dedicated to people's, you know, uh, mental health, behavioral health, you know, type conditions around it. So, Dr. Mosley, as we're kind of ending our time here together today, what are three things that people can do for themselves or a loved one when it comes to recognizing and making sure that we're treating psychotic disorders? 
Um, I think that the first thing is, um, I, I've, I use this term a lot, is to give yourself grace, right? That's number one. Um, whether it's you as a person or it's someone that you love, don't feel pressure. Just kind of accept what it is and go from there. Um, inform yourself. Make sure you're educated. Um, and then the third thing is, is get the help that you need from whoever that is. Um, is that going to be from a psychiatrist? Okay. Is it going to be from your primary care? Okay. Do you feel best with your gynecologist? Okay. That's a start too, but get the help that you need, um, whether it's for yourself or someone that you love. Dr. Mosley, thank you so much for your time today and this wonderful information around psychotic disorders. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. If you missed any part of the show or want to hear something again, you can access all of our blogs and podcasts at valleywisehealth.org slash be well. Thank you again, and we'll talk again soon. We hope you enjoyed listening to Wellness Now, brought to you by Valleywise Health and District Medical Group. If you're looking for more information about what you heard today, visit us online at valleywisehealth.org slash be well. There you'll find blogs, podcasts, and information about the healthcare providers you heard on the show. You can even book an appointment at a Valleywise Community Health Center near you. That's valleywisehealth.org slash be well. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll tune in again soon.